Welcome to our 135th podcast, and the 105th is a city on a hill church. It's a lovely day in Tehachapi this Sunday morning, and we invite you to attend our service at 930 at 48771 West Valley Boulevard, the Slice of Life building. Pastor Mike bases his message, which he entitled, Come, Let Us Adore Him, on Philippians 2, verse 10 and 11, which begins, That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. What does it mean that the Father should command the worship of Jesus? To answer that question here is Pastor Michael Clark. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, if you'd like to open up there. If you have your Bible, or you could just listen and follow along here. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 9 through 11, and I've entitled this message, kind of an early sort of a Christmas title here, I've entitled this message, O Come, Let Us Adore Him, speaking of worshiping Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 9, Therefore also God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we are clearly, definitively told here in the book of Philippians, written by Paul the Apostle under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ is going to be worshipped by everyone at some point in the future. This is a future prophecy when Jesus is going to be worshipped by all of creation. All intelligent creation is going to worship him on this day. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That is like a, a, what you would have done before a king. You would have paid homage to a king uh, in, in, in the ancient world. And so this is an idea of, of submission and of worship by bowing down before him and every tongue confessing. And so that's like speaking praises to, to God, worshiping with your, with your mouth. And so uh, Jesus Christ is going to be worshiped by everyone, every knee of those in heaven on earth and under the earth. And so in heaven would describe all the angels in the angelic realm, including the devil and the fallen angels. They're all going to have to worship him. Uh, even though they probably won't want to, they're going to do it. They're going to have to. Uh, all of those on the earth and under the earth, this is speaking of those uh, who are in hell, those who are in, uh, waiting the final judgment at the lake of fire, Everyone is going to worship Jesus. And of course, Jesus is already worshiped, as we're going to see here uh, in in a few minutes, in heaven right now. Uh, We worship Jesus here when we sing praises or when we uh, yield ourselves to him, surrender our lives to him, dedicate ourselves to him, and we live our lives as a worship unto God. And so it is is an interesting study Because worship, of course, in the Bible is only permitted to uh, be allowed if you're worshiping God. If God is the person or the object 
of your worship. There's no one else who's allowed to be worshiped when you read the Bible. From cover to cover, uh, no one else, no man, no angel, uh, not the devil who wanted to be worshiped. No one else is allowed to be worshiped except for God. And so if we see here that in the future, Jesus Christ is going to be worshiped by all of creation, what does that mean? It clearly means that Jesus is God. When we pray the, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, you begin with worship. Hallowed be thy name. And so God is, from the very outset, God is the one who man is supposed to worship, the only one who man is supposed to worship. You don't have to hold your place here in Philippians chapter 2. If you want to turn back with me to Exodus chapter 20, we're going to be looking at a few scriptures. Um, the first two commandments pretty much lay this out of the Ten Commandments, lay this out uh, absolutely clearly. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, as God is giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, the first commandment says this in Exodus 23. You shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. Verse five, you shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. And so from the very beginning, when God began to reveal himself to man uh, by choosing Abraham and then the, the promise passed to Isaac and Jacob, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. God called out a nation and then God raised up the man Moses and Moses was Israel's deliverer, delivering them out of the bondage of Egypt and from the Pharaoh. And then God begins to speak to Moses up on Mount Sinai, and he, and he literally gives him 10 commandments that God writes on these two tablets of stone with God's finger to basically lay the foundation of all of Western civilization. I mean, really, all civil societies throughout history find their foundation really right here in the 10 commandments. If you, if you study history and you study those who... Uh, who ended up developing into civilized societies, including our society here, including our nation here. Uh, and so uh, this is very important that from the very outset before God talks about blasphemy or the Sabbath day or honoring your father and your mother or not murdering or committing adultery or lying or uh, bearing false witness or uh, stealing or coveting the other commandments, uh, God lays from the very beginning out the foundation that only God is allowed to be worshipped. Only God is permitted to be worshipped. I am the Lord thy God. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't put anyone else in God's place, in other words. He is uh, the pinnacle. He is the goal. He is the only one who is worthy of our worship and of our praise. And the second commandment, don't make any idol specifically here, to worship them or serve them. Only God is permitted uh, to be worshiped and served. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13, Moses writes this, Deuteronomy 6, 13. You shall fear the Lord your God only, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. 
You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. And so this is actually the scripture that Jesus quoted in the wilderness when he was tested by the devil uh, in Luke chapter 4. Deuteronomy 6.13, you shall fear the Lord and you shall worship him only. Only the Lord is permitted to be worshiped. Now, why would Jesus uh, quote that scripture uh, in Luke chapter 4? Well, it's because the devil wanted to be worshiped. In Luke chapter 4 and verse uh, 6, we read this, and the devil said to Jesus, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. Uh, apparently, Satan had a lot of power, still does have a lot of power. When people want to worship him, Satan has power to give them here temporary power on this earth. Some people sell their souls to the devil for fame and for riches and, and so forth. Uh, still happens today. And, and the devil came to Jesus and the, you know, the audacity of, of this guy to come to Jesus and to say, if you worship me, I'll give you everything. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. It's interesting. Jesus didn't say they're not yours to give. Jesus didn't say you can't give them. They don't belong to you. That's not what Jesus said. So uh, this world is in Satan's power right now. It's in rebellion against God. That's why you see earthquakes and child molesters and rapists and murders and wars and uh, all of the rest. It's because this creation, this earth is in rebellion against this creator. Uh, Satan is uh, the Lord or the prince of this world. He is the God of this world, according to the scriptures, uh, because this world is in rebellion against the real God, the true God, the creator uh, in heaven. And so Satan comes in and, and says, just worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth in their glory. So Satan wants to be worshiped. In verse 8, Jesus answered him, Luke 4, and said to him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so Jesus is quoting scripture as the temptation comes from the devil. Jesus quotes scripture to overcome the devil and uh, reminding him, standing upon the word of God, uh, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It's very, very clear in the scriptures that only God is allowed to be worshiped. No man, no angel, not the devil, no one else. It's, it's exclusively reserved for God. In Isaiah chapter 14, we're told this uh, prophecy concerning the devil. Verse 12 says this, How you have fallen from heaven, Isaiah 14, 12, O star of the morning, or Lucifer, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, this is the devil now speaking, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God or the other angels, the angelic host. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. And so you notice here that Satan has uh, an I problem. I will ascend. I will raise my throne. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like God. So this is prior to the fall 
uh, in, in heaven, prior to the fall in heaven, when Lucifer was the, most scholars believe, the chief worship leader, Lucifer was in heaven, uh, right there at the throne of God, and he was jealous of God. This angel was jealous of God because God was receiving worship, and Satan thought, hey, I deserve to be worshiped too. I deserve this. I should be there. I should be the one who's above all the other angels, and I should be equal uh, with God. And, and of course, you know, Satan hasn't changed much. He still wants to be worshipped uh, uh, by, by people as God. But only God is worthy of worship, of praise, of adoration. Um, how then, if God is only allowed to be worshipped in the Scriptures, how then is Jesus going to be worshipped by everybody later if Jesus is just a man? So we've been dealing with, uh, in the last few weeks, uh, who God is and what the Trinity is and who Jesus is. And it's important that we continue to come back to the deity of Christ and we understand what the scriptures say about the character and nature of Christ, that Christ is God. Jesus is God. He's the only begotten Son of God. He's the second person of the Godhead, uh, the Trinity. And he is equal with God. He said, I and my Father are one. Now, even in the Old Testament, there were prophecies and predictions about the coming Messiah, the one who is God's only begotten son, who's going to be worshiped, who's, who's, the whole earth is going to laud him and honor him and revere him. For example, in Psalm chapter two, as the Lord is speaking about his king, he's speaking about his son. Verse seven, thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Then we read in verse 8 of Psalm 2, Ask of me, this is the Father speaking to the Son here, prophetically, Ask of me, God says to Jesus, and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt shatter them like earthenware or pottery. Now therefore, verse 10, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord, or Jehovah, L-O-R-D, capitalized, with reverence. So worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling and pay homage to the Son, lest he become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. And how blessed are all who take refuge in him. And so literally, God is saying, worship the Lord with reverence, speaking of the Lord God, Jehovah, the I am. And he says, and pay homage to the Son, or literally kiss the Son, which would indicate, you know, uh, just adoration, would indicate bowing down, like the kissing of a, of a, a king's ring uh, or his scepter. Uh, where, the, where the authority is, and you're yielding to that authority of that king and that power, again, in the ancient world. And so when God is talking about worshiping God, and then in the next breath he's saying, and, and basically worship the Son or pay homage to the Son, we know even in the Old Testament, it was predicted that the one who's going to come is going to be God. I mean, it's hard for us. We looked at that with the Trinity. We just can't figure it out. It's not one plus one plus one equals three with the Trinity. It's one times one times one equals one. Uh, when it comes to God, three persons, one God. If you have a, a problem with the Trinity, I encourage you to go back and, and, and listen to the sermon from a few weeks ago. 
I think we answered that pretty definitively, that God is one, but he's revealed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another scripture in Psalm chapter 8 and verse 2. Well, we could start in verse 1. We read this. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens. So there's worship being, being uh, declared to God. Majestic is your name. You know, you've displayed uh, uh, th thy splendor above the heavens. That's worship for God. Verse 2 of Psalm 8. From the mouth of infants and nursing babies, thou hast established strength because of thine adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. So we know very clearly this is a psalm about God in 8, 1, and 2. Very clearly that the psalmist is speaking about God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens from the mouth of infants and nursing babes. Thou has established strength uh, uh, or power or a bulwark. And so we know that this is speaking of God, no doubt about it, in, in, in Psalm chapter 8. Turn to uh, Matthew chapter 21 in the New Testament because we see really a, a definition, a clear, a clear understanding of what this psalm is referring to because Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 21 in verse 15. Now this is where Jesus uh, rides into Jerusalem on a donkey and uh, his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. And everybody was saying, um, Hosanna to the son of David. Psalm, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 21, 9. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Uh, they were declaring Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And then we read this in verse uh, 15. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They became indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, quote, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, thou hast prepared praise for thyself. Now read that again and, and think about what Jesus is saying. So Jesus, th these kids are crying out to him, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes uh, uh, in the name of the Lord. Uh, Hosanna to the son of David. Messianic uh, prophecies being fulfilled by Jesus. They were recognizing that Jesus is the anointed one of Israel, the promised Messiah who was to come. The religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees, were angry. They were furious. They were indignant because, in essence, these children were worshiping Jesus. And they were so angry about it that they come to Jesus and they say, uh, don't you hear what, what, what these kids are saying? You know, and, and they're indignant. Do you hear what they're saying about you? In other words, you should tell them not to worship you because you're just a man. Stop this. You're not allowed to receive worship. You're just a man is what they were saying. And then Jesus quotes Psalm 8, verse 2. And he actually gives the clarity of that psalm. Because remember, the psalm in 8, verses 1 and 2, is speaking of who? 
Speaking of God, Jehovah, right? The praise was for God. The adoration was for God. The worship was for God. Psalm 8, 1 and 2. Jesus now applies the prophecy to himself when he says, Yes, have you never read, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, thou hast prepared praise for thyself. Who were they giving praise to? Who were the children giving praise to? Jesus. So Jesus is equating himself with God here for thyself. This is why they were so mad because they recognized that Jesus was basically declaring to the people that he is God and that they were appropriate in declaring him as God and worshiping him uh, as God. In Matthew chapter 14, a few chapters back from Matthew 21, Jesus had come to his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, we've been there when we went to Israel a few years ago. We were on the Sea of Galilee, and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, Matthew 14, Jesus had come to them uh, uh, walking on the water, and uh, they, were, they, were, they were worried, they were scared, they said it's a ghost. Verse 26, they didn't, they didn't recognize him. Um, Jesus told them, it's me, don't be afraid, as he's walking to them in the middle uh, of the night on the water, on the Sea of Galilee. And Peter says, you know, Lord, if it's you, call me and I'll come out and walk on the You know the story. Peter walked out for a little bit and then he sank because he took his eyes off of Jesus and so forth. So then we read in verse 32. And when they got into the boat, this is Jesus and Peter, after Jesus walked on the water, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. Now, if Jesus was not God, he would not have received their worship. And we would have seen a scripture right after this where Jesus would have said, well, don't worship me. Only God is to be worshiped. That's what happens whenever anybody worshiped an angel or when they tried to worship uh, Paul and Silas as gods. The Greeks tried to worship them as gods because they were doing miracles. They said, no, don't worship us. We're just men. Only worship God. When John the Apostle was given the revelation in the book of Revelation, there was at least two times where John fell down before the angel to worship the angel because the angel was giving him prophecies and showing him the throne room of heaven and taking him on this tour of the future. Uh, and, and John was just overwhelmed and he fell before this angel. And the angel said, no, stop, don't worship me. Only God can be worshiped. Only God is permitted to be worshiped. And yet Jesus here receives the worship from his disciples very, very clearly. In Matthew 15, the next chapter, in verse 7, Jesus, speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees, says, You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah the prophet uh, prophesy of you, saying, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And after he called the multitude to him, he said to them, hear and understand. And so Jesus is again dealing with the scribes and Pharisees who were always kind of opposed to him and trying to trip him up and trying to trip up his disciples and trying to catch him in some, you know, uh, law-breaking uh, situation. And Jesus was always... 10 steps ahead of them at every point. 
Uh, but, but Jesus says this about them as they're questioning him and they're, and, and they're trying to, to trip him up. Uh, Jesus says, you hypocrites. You know, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines or the commandments of God, the precepts of men. Jesus is, is declaring here, this is, this is me. You are hypocrites because uh, you're honoring me with your lips. You're honoring God with your lips, but your heart is far away from me. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1 if you're following along here. Hebrews chapter 1 is one of the most clear uh, examples in the New Testament of Jesus being God, equal to God, and Jesus being worshipped and commanded to be worshipped when only God is allowed to be worshipped. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 13. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did God ever say, Thou art my son, today I have begotten me? And the answer is rhetorical, none of the angels. God never called any of the angels, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. He's quoting from Psalm chapter 2. We just read that earlier. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Quoting from 2 Samuel 7, 14. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, or the preeminent one into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. Psalm 97, 7 is being applied to Jesus, that the angels are commanded here to worship Jesus. The author of Hebrews is saying, let all the angels of God worship him, the only begotten son. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. So he's, he's comparing and contrasting the angels from Jesus. Jesus is not an angel. You know, uh, bless their hearts, the Jehovah's Witnesses are so confused. Uh, they used to claim that Jesus was Michael the archangel. I hear now they've changed their theology, uh, which is typically the sign of a cult when they change their theology. Uh, but, but now I don't think they say that Jesus is Michael. But for a long time, that's who they said Jesus was. He wasn't a man. He was an angel. And uh, he was uh, Michael the archangel is what they said. And so uh, Jesus is not Michael the archangel. Jesus is not an angel. Jesus created the angels. Remember, he created all things through whom he made the world. He, he created everything. He's, he's equal to God. Uh, he's, he's the exact representation of his na nature. So, so again, Satan and Jesus are not like equals, like in some, you know, uh, Avengers movie or something, or some uh, uh, story that we read uh, with, with a bad guy and a good guy, and they're fighting, and they're, and, and they're equal. Uh, th that's not at all the case. Satan is a created being. Jesus has always existed. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. 
The Word was God from the beginning, forever. Jesus has always existed. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so Jesus is not uh, down at the angelic level. Jesus is God. He created the devil. He created all the angels even before they fell. A third of them fell with Satan, Lucifer, who became the devil and Satan. And so uh, it, it, is a, it is a common uh, misconception, and really it's, it's, it's an attribute typically of a cult where they deny the deity of Christ and they try and say that Jesus is either just a man or he's an angel. He's not God. And that's, that's, that's typically how you know that you should kind of get, get out of that church or get away from that religious sect because uh, that is a lie. Jesus is God, as we read right here. Let all the angels of God worship him. If Jesus was just an angel, uh, like Michael or Gabriel or somebody else, you wouldn't worship Jesus. But he says, yeah, the angels are commanded to worship him. Verse 8, he says, but of the Son, he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. And thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy companions. So Psalm 45, 6, and 7 are being quoted here and attributed to Jesus by the author of Hebrews under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Of the Son, he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. So Jesus is called God here as this psalm is being attributed to him. The righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Verse 10 of Hebrews 1 says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning didst lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They will perish, but thou remainest, and they all will become old as a garment, and as a mantle they will roll them up. As a garment they will also be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years will not come to an end. So this is from uh, Isaiah 61. Again, another Old Testament prophecy. The, 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 the writer of Hebrews quotes so many Old Testament prophecies really to show the Hebrew people, the Hebrews or the Jews, that Jesus is God. This is who Jesus is uh, because primarily the nation of Israel still don't know who Jesus is. Uh, and, and so he's saying, you know, uh, in the beginning, uh, you laid the, the, the foundations of the earth and uh, they're going to perish, but you're going to go on forever. So Jesus is, is, is going to wear out the, you know, he's going to live longer than the, than the universe, than the earth, than all of creation. Jesus is God. You're the same. Your years will not come to an end. Only God, you could say that about. Your years will never come to an end. You created all things. You're to be worshipped by all of the angels in heaven. This is all speaking of Jesus in the New Testament. So the next time you have someone knock at your door who questions the deity of Christ, Show them Hebrews chapter 1 and ask them, what is this talking about? Uh, clearly, this is talking about Jesus being declared as God uh, in the Scriptures. And then verse 13 of Hebrews 1 says, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet? And the answer, again, rhetorically, is none of the angels. God never said that to any of the angels, Michael or Gabriel or any of the other angels. But God said this in Psalm 110, verse 1, of his Son, Jesus Christ, sitting at the right hand of God. The right hand in the Scriptures is power. 
if you were at the right hand of a king, his throne, and you're at his right hand, you have the king's ear, you are at the king's right hand. That's his power, his place of strength. So Jesus is sitting in the place of power, even right now, at the right hand of the Father on his throne. So we, we clearly see from the scriptures uh, that Jesus is to be worshiped. He's permitted to be worshiped. It's recorded that he's worshiped. He declares that, you know, even the little children were worshiping him, and that was okay because it was prophesied that that was going to happen in so, uh, Psalm chapter 8. Well, the disciples also recognized that Jesus was God and was to be worshiped. Uh, we saw that when he was in the boat, after he walked on the water, they worshiped him and Jesus received their worship. Remember, Jesus told the devil, you should worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Only God's allowed to be worshiped. And Jesus was worshiped by his disciples. In, Ma in uh, John, rather, chapter 20, after Jesus was resurrected, in verse 28, Jesus is uh, appearing to his disciples. Doubting Thomas is there. And uh, Jesus appears to, to Doubting Thomas and the others and basically says this. He said to Thomas in Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, John 20, verse 27. Jesus said to Thomas, reach here your finger and see my hands. Reach here your hand and put it into my side and be not unbelieving, but believing. Verse 28, then Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. He basically worshiped him. He called Jesus his Lord and he called Jesus his God. Now again, Jesus didn't say to him, because Jesus always tells the truth. He can't lie. He can't break the law. He is God. He fulfilled the law. Jesus doesn't say to him, oh, don't call me God. I'm not God. There's only one God and I'm not him. To the contrary, Jesus affirms what he says. Thomas says, my Lord and my God, literally falling down before him. And Jesus says, because you've seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believe. Jesus didn't correct him. Jesus didn't tell him he was wrong. Jesus didn't try and say, no, I'm not God. You've got me mistaken for somebody else. Jesus received that praise and adoration uh, from Thomas. It's, it's pretty amazing to me that there are uh, churches that deny the deity of Christ, but there are that deny the deity of Christ because the scriptures are so clear in declaring that Jesus is God. Another scripture that declares this is in the book of the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 24, and this is one of my favorites, in Luke chapter 24, and verse 51, this is right before Jesus um, is taken up into heaven after he has been resurrected from the dead. The very end of Luke's gospel. And we read this. In Luke chapter uh, 24 and verse 50, it says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them, Verse 51, and it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them. Verse 52, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. 
Now, some translations remove worshiped him and they, and they have a little, uh, uh, you know, reference point there. But most of the translations, the King James Version, the New King James Version, the NIV Version, the International Standard Version, the Contemporary English Version, uh, version the New American Standard Bible, and the English Standard Version, in addition to many others, translate this phrase because the overwhelming majority of the New Testament manuscripts include this phrase, and they worshiped him. So that belongs in your Bible. If it's not there, write it in uh, to your Bible. Verse 52 of Luke 24, and they worshiped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So how many examples have we already looked at of Jesus receiving worship from his people? Numerous. Over and over again, Jesus receives their worship. And again, only God is permitted to be worshiped in the Bible. You shall have no other gods before me. Jesus received worship. Therefore, by default, we uh, declare that Jesus uh, is God and is worthy of our praise. Now, in the book of Revelation, there are a number of places where we read that God is worshiped in heaven and that the Lamb is worshiped in heaven right along with God the Father in the book of Revelation. Just a couple of examples. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 10, we read this. And that, well, we can start in verse 9 because it kind of tells who's there in heaven before the throne of God. And, and the, after these things, Revelation 7, 9, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne, that's God the Father's throne, and before the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ who's at the right hand, the place of power of the Father, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb, Jesus Christ, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Notice, they don't distinguish between God the Father and God the Son. The Lamb of God is Jesus Christ who came to take away the sins of the world. They honor Him. They praise Him. They adore Him. They acknowledge Him as worthy, just like God the Father is worthy of worship. Before the throne, the one who sits on the throne, and before the Lamb. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to God, our God, forever and ever. Amen. Notice there's no distinction here that they weren't still talking to the Lamb. They were talking to the one on the throne and they were talking to the, to the lamb who's at the right hand of God the Father and they are worshiping God here in Revelation chapter 7 and Jesus is right there being worshiped by all of these tongues and tribes and nations uh, and angels as they fall down before the throne. In Revelation chapter 15, 
verses 3 and 4, <clears throat> we read this. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are thy ways, thou king of the nations. Now, Jesus is the king of the nations. He's the king that is coming, the coming king who's going to rule uh, forever and ever. Thou king of the nations, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify or give glory to or worship thy name? For thou alone art holy. For all the nations will come and worship before thee, for thy righteous acts have been revealed. And again, this is all related to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ. Praise, adoration, honor, worship is given to him in heaven. In Revelation chapter 5, in this other scene that's recorded for us of heaven, the heavenly throne, we read this in verse 12. Revelation 5.12 says, saying with a loud voice, worthy. Worthy is another word for worship. W worship is, is, a, is a variation of worthiness or worth. And only God is truly worthy to be worshiped. Worthy is the lamb, that's Jesus Christ, that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Very similar to what they were saying in Revelation chapter 15 when they were saying this before the throne of God <clears throat> and the Lamb. They're now declaring this to Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy are you, Jesus. You were slain, and you're worthy to receive power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Verse 13, And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea, and all the things in them I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever and ever. Jesus is being worshipped right there with God the Father. Over and over again in the Scriptures, guys. You may think this is redundant, but this is kind of a big deal. Uh, because this is kind of what distinguishes a true church from a cult in a lot of ways. You know, a cult will either um, deny the deity of Christ and say he's not really God, he's not, he's not deity, he's just a man or he's just an angel, or they, were, they will elevate everybody else and say, well, there's millions of gods, and Jesus is one, like the Hindus. Jesus is one God. Yeah, we believe Jesus is God. Yeah, he's one God, along with all these other millions uh, of other gods. And so Satan, you know, he always tries to muddy the waters and confuse us because we're so easily confused. That's why we always have to go back to the Bible to find truth and to find doctrine uh, and to find the reality of who, who God is. Uh, Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is not a man. He's not an angel. He created everything. He created the angels. He created all mankind. He created the universe. All life was created by Jesus. We read that in uh, Hebrews chapter 1 earlier. Uh, and there's only one God. There aren't millions of gods like the Hindus say. Everything's not God like the Buddhists say. Not according to the scriptures. Only God is God, and there's only one God. Behold, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one, and yet God 
is revealed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One more scripture here. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, another scene of the heavenly throne that John has shown. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, these are, these are angels, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy art thou, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for thou didst create all things and because of thy will they existed and are created. And so it's the same scene recorded over and over again in the book of Revelation of the throne room of God in heaven that God is being worshipped and Jesus is being worshipped right there with God the Father. The Lamb is right there being worshipped. We saw it over and over uh, in the book of Revelation. And so we, we know, guys, that this is... Um, this, this is really a command to us. It's interesting that when Jesus was born, at the very outset, when he was, you know, the, 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 the wise men came, and we're coming up on Easter. We got to get uh, past Thanksgiving first, but, uh, or Christmas rather. Christmas is coming. Uh, and, and we'll, you know, we'll be talking about Jesus and these prophecies of Jesus' birth, the virgin birth, and so forth. But it's interesting that the wise men who came from the East, uh, why did they come to find this king of the Jews? Well, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 tells us, uh, after Jesus was born, the Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And then Herod was uh, very threatened by that, and he was very angry, and he was you know, very upset. Then he went on to kill all the baby boys uh, uh, there, um, in Bethlehem, trying to kill Jesus when he was a baby and so forth. But you notice here that right from the beginning of Jesus' birth, people were coming to worship him. That made him different than anyone else who's ever been born on this planet. Uh, he is to be worshiped. In verse 11 of Matthew 2, it says, They came into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And so it's, uh, it's abundantly clear to me, guys, that Jesus is God, that he is to be worshipped as God because only God is to be worshipped. Only God's permitted or allowed to be worshipped in the scriptures. And, um, and so then, then the question is, is begged, you know, are we worshipping God? Are we truly worshipping God with our lives? With our words, are we honoring the Lord? Are we surrendered Truly surrender to Jesus. Because really we have to, we have to like do this every day. I know I do. I know I have to get in the Bible and read my devotions every day. If I don't, I start to fall apart. I have to stay disciplined with staying in the Bible. I have to spend time in prayer every day, every morning, every night. It's my, it's my habitual routine. I had to put these disciplines. It's probably why I'm a pastor because it forces me to have to 
read the Bible and prepare sermons. You know, God knows that some of us uh, need, need a little more than, than the rest uh, of you, of the word, and to stay closer to God. And so if, if you are not surrendered, if your life is not surrendered to Jesus Christ today, my question is, you're missing, you, you know, why not? You're, 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 you're missing out on, on, on really knowing who God is and really finding your purpose in life, finding your identity, because we really find our reason for living when we get in line and we align ourselves with our creator who made us, who put us here, who gave us life. And as we yield to him, as we surrender to him, as we acknowledge him as Lord, as we acknowledge him as our savior, we acknowledge him as the one who has washed our sins away, made us white as snow, who's written our names in the, Lamb book, the Lamb's book of life, given us eternal life, given us his Holy Spirit, given us his divine nature, imputed to us his righteousness. Why wouldn't we worship Jesus? You see, and I'll answer that question for you. It's because we're too doggone self-centered and all we think about is ourselves. Just like the devil, unfortunately, the devil only thinks about himself, remember? He wanted to be worshiped. He said, I will ascend. And so uh, we, have to, we have to defer to God. We have to recognize I'm not God. He's God. It's not my will be done. It's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That should be our prayer. That should be our heart. That should be our lives. Our lives should be a life of worship of Jesus Christ, of God the Father, of the Holy Spirit, three in one. He is God, we are not. He's the only one who's worthy of our praise and our worship. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, email us at coah podcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church, Tehachapi, California.